Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. For our praise team that always makes it a delight to to come and, and to worship, aren't you glad that you can be a part of a church that's not ashamed to worship the Lord and just enjoy Him? Amen? Well, obviously, I am not your senior pastor. Uh, he is home today pretty sick. Uh, and so what I'm going to ask right now, I'm going to ask the men of the church, would you would come and join me at the altar. We're going to pray for our pastor. And I'm going to ask Phil Davis, if he would, to lead out on this. Our pastor is always praying for us. He is always ministering for us. And church, let's just take a few moments and let's lift our pastor up to the Lord. Almighty, gracious, heavenly Father. Lord, we're humbled today by the very presence of you and your spirit. Father, we thank you for worship. We thank you for those who lead us in worship. Father, in my ministry, I've always called them as John the Baptist, those who are coming before and declaring that your presence is about to be shared. And Father, this morning we first pray for Brother Chuck as he brings your word. Father, that you placed on his heart. Father, that you anoint him. God, that you, Lord, just bless him in sharing what you have given to him already. Prepare our hearts to receive it. God, we thank you for our senior pastor and his vision. Yes. His foresight into knowing how to lead a church and how to bring on board all of those who are the members and those who are the board. And Father, we lift him up to you today, Lord. Father, for his physical needs. And Father, most importantly, that spiritually you would pour out upon him. And Father, let that cover any physical imperfections, any physical pains or discomfort, God. May your very presence just overshadow it and make him whole. God, we pray now that we surrender ourselves, each one individually, God, to this time. Father, it is your time. We're in your presence. We're in your house. And so, God, we lift and we exalt you and we ask, God, that everything else be set aside, everything else be put asunder. And, Father, that this time is your time and that you may be lifted, exalted, that your word may declare who you are and that your people may be moved, motivated, and changed to go out into this world that needs you. So, Father, we give you this time. We give you our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In 2004, the actual date is September 4th, 2004, Chris Pleckenpool was commanding his very first company in combat. Over the past week, his captain had been giving him instructions on how to lead his group. Pleckenpool said it was almost like trying to drink 
water from a fire hydrant. His captain was just giving him so many things to think about and so many things to do. He said it was almost like trying to drink water from a fire hydrant. As he was approaching his platoon, he saw two Humvees coming across the countryside, which was a big, big no-no because of roadside bombs. And no sooner had they were crossing that area that he heard a very loud explosion and a jolt that knocked him down. A huge mushroom cloud rose up about 250 feet in the air, and then the sound came over the radio. Apache 6 has been hit. Apache 6 has been hit. We have a KIA. And then communication was lost. Fleckenpool couldn't understand why was this happening to him. Because less than 20 hour, 24 hours before that very moment, he had spent time with his troops, teaching them the rules of engagement, teaching them about all the pre-drill combat specifications they needed to understand. And most importantly, he had literally prayed for each and every one of his troops. It seemed like everything that could go wrong in Plekenpool's life was going wrong. Frustration then started leading to embarrassment. How in the world could he explain, not only to family members, but to his captain the very first day as commander of his platoon, that he's already lost one man? And then he had a flashback. He remembered back in his military science class at West Point, the Perusian military analyst Carl Van Clauswitz said this, the fog in time of war. The fog of war is a realm of uncertainty. Three quarters of the factors on which action in war is based upon are wrapped up in a fog greater or lesser with uncertainty. A sensitive and discriminating judgment is called for. A skilled intelligence must send out the truth and go after it. In this fog, a soldier looks to his commander for focus and direction. The responsibility of decision-making is taking off the shoulders of the soldier. His responsibility is greatly simplified. He need only to do exactly what the commander tells him. Although the situation may seem chaotic, he knows that if he trusts his commander and simply obeys, everything will turn out right. The commander has the big picture the training, and the experience to overcome the enemy. There was so much that Plekenpool couldn't understand. He couldn't control. It was so overwhelming. And when the day had ended, he lost his very first soldier. In the midst of his exhaustion, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of his anxiety, there was God giving him the strength to carry on. Plekenpool put his life in the Lord's hands, even when he felt that God was so far away from him and that he could not even see the Lord in this fog of war. This morning, I want to speak to you on having faith in the fog of war. There comes a time in every person's life where we question God's very existence. We question whether the Lord is even listening to us. Today, some of you may be even at the point where you're ready to give up. You're at a point of desperation. You feel like God hasn't heard you. You feel like God's not listening to you. You're even questioning if there is a God out there. All because of the stress. All because of the strife that you're going through.
take heart. You have a commander you can trust in this fog of war. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to learn about a young man that who was caught in the very fog of war. Caught in a time where he was surrounded by the enemy, he was surrounded by uncertainty, and he was wondering, what do I do? And the question is in all of our minds sometimes, what do we do in the midst of our confusion? What do we do in the midst of all this chaos that we're going through? And the answer is simple, but sometimes hard to do, is that we learn to trust our commander-in-chief. Not Donald Trump. We trust Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in this fog of war. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 says this, When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his soldiers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, Do not go near that place, for the Armenians are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send a word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, Which of you is the traitor? Who has not been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It is on us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, isn't that scary that he's literally telling the king of Israel what this king says in the very privacy of his bedroom? He replies, go out and find where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. And no, that is not Alabama. Elisha was not in Alabama. Probably wish he was in Alabama at this time, but he was not in Alabama. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Now look at this for a moment. So here we have a priest, a prophet, giving all the secrets out of this king. The king just doesn't send the secret service. He doesn't send five or ten guys. He sends an entire army. So you need to understand the anger. You need to understand the magnitude that this king has against Elisha. He is so irate, he is so mad, that he sends the entire army to take down this one man. Verse 15, When the servant of the man got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. Then Elijah prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Armenian army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. The question maybe for us this morning is, which person would you have been in this situation? 
Would you have been Elisha and said, oh, we're surrounded by the enemy. Life seems really bleak and dim for us. Don't worry, the Lord has got us. We'll be okay. Or would you have been like this little servant boy and said, oh my, what do we do? Now, if we were going to be honest with each other, we would probably be like the servant. There have been times in your life where you have been so overwhelmed with stress. You have been so overwhelmed with life's difficulties that rather than trusting and having faith in the Lord, you simply have said, what am I going to do? And God, where in the world are you at? Have you ever been that way? Now, everybody in here for probably the first to third graders have been that way. I don't know, maybe some of you first or third graders, you've been there already. Well, Lord, where are you at? But we've all been there at a place in our life. The question for us then is, are we going to take the position of Elisha? Are we going to take the position of the servant? And I hope and pray this morning that you will begin to understand that we have a God that is greater. We have a God that is mightier. And we have a God that can just speak the word and your situation will turn to light from darkness, to joy rather than pain, to hope rather than helplessness, if we place our faith in Jesus Christ. One thing is for certain that we can see we are at war today, church. We are at war. Every last one of us are at war. Now, if you're not at war today, more than likely that means you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior. Because when you come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, a war is declared. The enemy wants literally to destroy you. He wants literally to take your life out. And our war really is not a physical war that stems from the outside. I know most of us like to think the war that I'm battling right now is my crazy boss. The war that I'm battling right now is the crazy people I work with. The war that I'm undergoing right now is the family that I have to deal with. And to be honest with you, that is not your war. Your war doesn't deal with the external. Your war deals with the internal. What you're battling with today is not the people on the outside. It's the person who you are on the inside. It's who you are allowing to control your thoughts. It's who you're allowing to make your decision-making processes in life. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that, that our war is not a war physically. It's a spiritual war. And we have to learn to take our thoughts into captivity. Because it's our thoughts that bombard us. It's our thoughts that defeat us. It's our thoughts that overwhelm us. But at the same time, if you allow the Lord to take control of your life, it will be the thoughts that He gives you that will give you victory. It'll be your thoughts that will give you faith to say, I can overcome this. It'll be the thoughts that He gives you that say, I can do all things through Christ. It's our thoughts. Here was a young boy that had watched this man of God do a lot of miracles, but all of a sudden, when he's surrounded by the enemy, he panics. But you have to understand, in order for us to become an Elisha in life, we usually have to go through what the servant boy went through. We have to face a lot of hardships and difficulties. See, Elisha knew about these situations. Because, see, Elisha had a mentor that taught him. Elisha had a mentor that showed him. His mentor was a guy by the name of Elijah. And at one point in time, Elijah had to face war. Elijah had to face 450 prophets of Baal. And Elisha was the great man of God, and he 
conquered the 450 prophets of Baal like it was nothing. Elijah knew there was war. And as long as you're breathing, there will be war. And Elisha had heard how Elijah placed his faith in the Lord. And the Lord gave him victory over the 450 prophets of Baal. But you also have to understand when we're in war, there are no rules of war. Have y'all figured that out? There are no rules of war. And just about the time you think that you have got life in your hands, it spins out on you. Just when you think you've got it made, just when you think you've got it going pretty easy, all of a sudden you're blindsided. See, Elisha said, hey, I've got 450 prophets of Baal conquered. I got this thing made. And one woman threatened his life and he ran like a scared kitty cat. Women, y'all must be pretty tough. If he can face 450 men and not blink an eye and one woman say a couple words to him and he runs. And don't laugh too loud, ladies. We know, us men, we know. So here's a man named Elijah that's facing 450 prophets of Baal. His life was great. He defeats them. And all of a sudden, Queen Jezebel says, by this time tomorrow, I will do to you what you did to the prophets of Baal, which he killed them. And he runs. Now, how can that be? How can that be that a man has such great faith and then in a moment's time, he runs with lack of faith because he was too worried about the enemy rather than worrying about the eternal Savior. He was too focused on her rather than focusing on the Lord. And the Bible tells us in John 10, 10 that the thief comes not to accept to steal and to kill and destroy. That's his whole purpose. His whole purpose is to steal your life away, to steal your joy away, to steal every last thing away from you and destroy you. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. The only thing the enemy wants to do to you today is to steal and destroy everything that is good in your life. And church, if we're not careful, we will let him do that very thing. We will allow him to get into our lives. We allow him to get into our minds. We allow him to create such chaos and such a fog around us that we will run not to the Lord. We will run from the Lord. We will not cry out to the Lord. We will cry to him and against him. And in our desperation, rather than seeking the Lord for help, we do just the opposite. We blame God. You ever blame God for something in your life? Well, you don't literally say, God, it's your fault. But what you do say is, God, why did you let this happen to me? God, why is this in my life? We all have been overwhelmed at times of our life. Have you not? All of us, at some point in our life, we have been overwhelmed. <laughs> whether it's the college classes we're taking, whether it's the job we have or the lack of job we have, whether it's our family, whether it's the move we're going through, we all have been overwhelmed with life. Now, if you haven't been overwhelmed with life, I'm sure you've been living in this little white room like to have you in a straitjacket because the rest of us have been fighting this war called life. Have we not? I know I have. It's just life. We get overwhelmed sometimes. We get overwhelmed with wanting to fit in with a crowd. We get overwhelmed with being mocked and made fun at. We get overwhelmed with everything. 
Because the enemy wants to make you feel about this big in life. When God wants you to know you're bigger than that. But the problem is, is that we usually believe the enemy. We usually follow the enemy and we allow the enemy to beat us down. Elijah did the same thing. Elijah was so scared of Jezebel that he ran as hard and as far away as he could. I'm always amazed that we can love the Lord when the good times are in our life. But the moment the tragedy hits our life, we run as hard and as far away from God as we can. Because what we want to do as Americans, we don't want to have to fight with anybody or anything. We want life to always be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. But in life, that is a complete lie. We never want to fight and you're going to fight for the rest of your life. You never want to be able to do battle and you're going to have to do battle for the rest of your life. Because this is the day and time we live in and this is the way the enemy comes against us. Yes, God does give us reprieve and yes, there are times that we can enjoy the moment and enjoy life and be fulfilled and have fun. But church, you have to understand that the mindset that we are creating in America today says this, I don't want to work, but I want to get paid. I don't want to fight, but I want the victory. I don't want to do anything in life, but I want all the rewards. And that'll never happen. If you want to have victory in life, it starts on your face before the Lord. If you want to have victory in your job, it doesn't start at the workplace. It starts on your face before the Lord. If you want to know the right words to say, it starts by you getting in the Word of God and seeking the Holy Spirit for wisdom and direction in your life. If you want to learn to be victorious, you cannot run from God. You've got to learn to run to God. You've got to learn even when life is so overwhelmed you and you can't see the Lord, it's hard to hear the Lord. You've got to learn to trust the Lord. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 and 9 say this. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Any of y'all ever watch those Discovery Channels and you see the lion? You ever watch how he pounces? Lion King, remember pouncing the Lion King? Do you understand that Peter was giving us a description that the enemy just doesn't say, hey, how are you doing today? I'm going to take your life out. He does the opposite. He prowls. And when he jumps on you, he roars so loud, he scares you senseless, and then he rips your life apart. He prowls like a roaring lion, wanting to devour you. But the Bible says to stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers, the church family, all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So guess what? You're not alone. And guess what? The devil is prowling to get you. In your moment of chaos, and in your moments of what we call the fog of war, you've got to learn to trust your commander-in-chief. He knows everything from start to finish. He's already played it out in life. And if you will trust him as we learn from the military, everything will be okay. I remember this song years ago from the, the, the group called New Song. It's entitled, Trust His Heart. And these are the words... 
It says, all things work for our good, though sometimes we can't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes bind us to the truth. Our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you can't see Him, remember He's still on the throne. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand, remember just to trust His heart. We have to learn, church, to trust His heart. We have to learn this morning not to focus on the enemy, but to focus on the Savior. This young boy, when he stepped out, all he could see was the enemy. And right now, some of you, all you can see is the enemy in your life. That's all you see. You just keep, seems like it just keeps getting piled on you, piled on you, piled on you. And what you have to understand is that your Savior is greater than your enemy. The angelic army is greater and more powerful and numerous than any army you see. Remember, Elijah, Elijah finally said, Lord, would you just open his eyes so that he could see what I see? And all of a sudden, the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And although he, Aram's army had swords and horses, the Lord's army had fire. Fire. And the servant understood for the first time in his life that although I'm surrounded by an enemy, I have a mighty God that is more numerous, that is more greater than my enemy. And finally, Elijah just said, Lord, would you just blind them? And the Lord blinded them. So that this young servant boy could see what Elisha could see. Now, I have to admit, I've never seen an angel in person. I remember going on a mission trip to Mexico. And I remember our group seeing this angel and I didn't. And I was pretty upset. I thought, God, this is not fair. How is it that they get to see him and I don't? Lord, this is just not right. But what I see is I see how God works in my life. And do I have to have physical evidence of that? I got to admit, church, every now and then it, it helps. Does it help every now and then that the Lord gives you physical evidence that he's taking care of you, that he's watching over you, that he's protecting you? Not so long ago, I went to Tallahassee and I was playing golf and when I left the golf course, I was coming back home. I was on Spring Hill Road, and I came um, to the intersection of Capitol Circle and Spring Hill. It's right there by the airport. And the, the lead light turned green. Of course, I watched the person go left and the other person go right. And I said, okay, in a second, mine's going to turn green. I'm going to go straight. Well, the other side turned green. I thought, well, this is the normal Tallahassee red light. His will turn red in a minute. Mine will turn green, and I'll get to go forward. Well, the light turned red, and all of a sudden, Capital Circle started going back and forth again. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. And then I thought, well, you know, I do have the curse of the red lights. My, my family will tell you I have the curse of the red lights. If there's a red light in town, I'm going to get it. That's all there is to it. So if I'm ever in a hurry, I'm going to get the... You know those one-way lights down on, on Bruno Street on Tallahassee? I'll catch one of those. I don't know how it happens. I'm just that lucky, I guess. I'm like the red light king. I don't know. So anyway, the light didn't turn green, and I thought, great. Here we go. So the light, then the lead lights turn again. And I thought, okay, now, Lord, if this thing doesn't turn green this time, I'm just going to turn right and go around and go forward. Or I'm ready to go home. 
My light turned green finally. I thought, well, thank you, Jesus. So I'm going down the road. And as I get to one of these little bridges in the roadway, there was a car that had hit the bridge, come across, hit back across the bridge, and come back into the road. I said, Lord, thank you. Because I guarantee if I'd have been about a minute and a half, two minutes earlier, I'd have been in that accident with that, that other guy. God, thank you for protecting me. Now, I didn't like the red light not turning green. But I like that God spared me an accident. Sometimes God does things in your life and you go, God, I don't really like that. But what God's trying to do in your life is protect you. He's trying to keep you safe. The Bible tells us in Psalms 34, 7, for the, for the, the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. And you have to understand in the Old Testament when it refers to the angel of the Lord, that was Jesus pre-incarnate time. In other words, you could say Jesus is a guard. He is the one that surrounds and will defend all those who fear him. When we fear the Lord, he doesn't deliver us from war. He doesn't deliver us from the mishaps of life. But what he does do for you and me, he protects us. He guards you. He will speak to you in the very moment that your life seems so chaotic. Your life seems so confused. There's no clear direction. Come on, we, we've all had that moment in our life where there's no clear direction. Not so long ago, I needed clear direction in my life. So I began to pray and fast. And usually after about three or four days, man, life gets good because your body no longer has any of that hunger sickness. Well, I was in about day six and seven. I'm like, now, Lord, something's wrong here because I'm still in the midst of confusion. I'm still in the midst of bewilderment. And usually by this time in my life, it's clear. God, what is going on? Now, you guys may not talk to the Lord like that, but I do every now and then. Okay, Lord, what's up? I mean, God, we have a relationship. I love the way you talk to me. I love the way you love me and help me. Okay, Lord, I'm confused here. Because we usually do one plus one equals two. Well, God, every time I've done this, about day three and four, man, life's great, Lord, what's going on? And it wasn't until day ten that God said, clarity. And I knew now what God was doing then. God said, Chuck, I just wanted you to get outside your normal stinking thinking. And I didn't want you to trust the past experience to go this plus this equals this. Chuck, I just wanted to see if you trust me long enough to follow through with what you said you followed through with. Okay, sorry, Lord, you're right. Sometimes, guys, we need to learn to trust the Lord in the very midst of our confusion. I love what Chris Preckenpool says, and he's actually an author of a book called Faith in the Fog of War. He says this, we can never let fog of war diminish the presence of the Lord. Pleckenpool says, we can never allow the fog of war to diminish the presence of the Lord. When his world broke apart, he got down and trusted the Lord. And guys, when your world breaks apart, when you don't think God's listening to you, when you can't see him working around you, you've got to learn to trust him with all of your heart and place your faith in him. A young boy and his father were walking on a trail through the woods. And they came across this log that had fallen in the middle of the, in the pathway. And 
Young boy was a teenage boy. You know how you teenage boys are. You, you know. He said, Dad, do you think I can move that log? And his dad says, Son, I believe you can move that log with all of your might. The boy said, Okay. So the young man gets down on the log and he, he sucks up and he tries to move it and the log doesn't budge. He goes on the other side of the log and he, he grunts and he groans and he tries to move the log and the log's not moving. He tries for about 10 minutes to do everything he can do to move the log. And he looked at frustration and he looked back at his dad and he said, Dad, you told me I could move that log. And the dad smiled at him. He said, son, I said you could use that log if you used all of your strength and might. And the young boy said, I did, dad. And the dad said, no, you didn't. You tried to lift that log all by yourself. You never asked me to help you lift that log, and I'm part of your strength and might. Son, if you'd have asked me, we could move that log. The young boy said, okay, dad. And the father helped the son pick up the log and move it. Church, when we try to move life with all of our strength and might, we'll never move it. But when you ask the church family, and when you ask our Lord and Savior to help you, you can move any mountain in your life. It's time we quit trying to do life by ourselves and on our own and keep wandering in bewilderment and confusion and the fog and it's time we learn to lean on our church family and lean on the strength of the Lord to move us forward. Why don't this morning we quit doing this by ourselves and allow the Lord to give you the strength that you need to move the armies out of your way? It's time you open your eyes and see that God has given each and every one of us a great strength through His church family and through the Holy Spirit to move any and every chaos and confusion out of your life. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.